1: But when you really step back and start looking at people and start looking at like what they've accomplished and how they've accomplished it, I think there's a unifying theme. And it's something that was like a really critical turning point for me was realizing how much your individual voice matters, how much what you think matters, how much what you value matters or don't value matters, and how much that influence really every aspect of what you do and how you do it and where you go with it and the choices that you make. So I think as a backdrop to where I am now and who I am and why, it's really like coming to the place in my life of what is my voice? Like what does Brock care about? What does Brock want to say?
0: You're listening to Donnie Success Champions, where I believe – Everybody is on a journey. Life is all about the stories you can tell and teach later. You're going to hear the stories of people who have overcome hardships, failures, and life to find success along their journey. All right, guys, I've been looking forward to this one. I'm bringing on my new buddy, Brock shining man we've had a couple of conversations already good dude great stories is gonna be a fun one i'm donnie Bovin. this is donnie success champions brock my brother welcome to the show friend please tell us your story
1: Yeah, Donnie, thanks so much for having me, and it's awesome to be here. It it just feels like, you know, this connection and just being able to kind of speak into people, they're looking for answers, right? And I think that's a big part of my story is kind of finding my voice and realizing how many people are just looking for answers, you know? So I think a big piece of my story starts with where I'm from. I'm from Barstow. It's this tiny little town out in the middle of the desert in California, and I grew up there. It's totally isolated. Right. And, you know, you grow up, you know, building bonfires and shooting and riding motorcycles and everything. And then I, you know, kind of fast forwarding. and I moved to Orange County, California, and I go to college and I go to graduate school and I go to law school and eventually become an attorney and. You realize when you come from this background, this this really small town, and everybody's intimate, and everybody gets to know each other, and then you go to the kind of the big city, and you start to realize, wow, there's a whole different value system here. There's a whole different dynamic of how people engage with each other. And it really kind of forces you to look at yourself and say, who am I? Like, what am I about? What matters to me? What do I care about? What do I want to go after? And why do I want to do that? And and a lot of my story, you know, I grew up. With My dad was a pastor, and so I grew up in the church. And so there's this whole faith element from my entire life that impacts everything I've ever done, all my decisions and my choices with education and job and the people that I work with, the people that I don't work with, and everything in between. So for me, part of my story, I think, and I think the most valuable piece maybe for, you know, people that are, you know, interested in hearing my story would be, like, what did I think was the most important lesson? And I think it's really hard to to look at that. Like, what is the important lesson for, you know, randomly picking this out of space of a person's life? Because there's so many different points where you change, you change directions, you change values, Your your values grow, and hopefully you're always growing as a person. And I think for me, it was coming to the realization that if I was going to impact the world, if I was going to have any sort of impact that was lasting, any sort of legacy, I was going to have to figure out what my voice is. Because what I see, especially as a professional, because right now I'm an attorney, a strategy consultant, so I work with all kinds of people in all kinds of different industries, right? And you realize there's a lot of really smart people out there, a lot of very capable people out there, a lot of people that maybe aren't so smart or aren't so educated, but are super successful, right? There's a really big mixed bag. But when you really step back and start looking at people and start looking at like what they've accomplished and how they've accomplished it, I think there's a unifying theme and it's something that was like a really critical turning point for me was realizing how much your individual voice matters, how much what you think matters how much what you value matters or don't value matters and how much that influences really every aspect of what you do and how you do it and where you go with it and the choices that you make. So I think kind of as a, as a backdrop to where I am now and who I am and why it's really like coming to the place in my life of what is my voice? Like what does Brock care about? What does Brock want to say? And that's a tough thing, I think, honestly. I mean, I don't know what your experience has been, but I really feel like that's a tough thing for people to first realize how important it is, but then to actually engage with, with that, right? Man, I,
0: I love this. I love this. And I, I want to dive into your backstory, story, but, but you've got such a cool point to dive into. You know, it's interesting. I think a lot of people are going through their life. They're going through their journey. And... It's it's almost like they're carrying around a sign on their chest that says, what do you think of me? What is your opinion of yeah, me, right? Right. And I love this perspective because not a lot of people actually think for themselves. Right. They're doing everything to please others yeah. and to move their entire life to, and it's not even impress. It's, you know, to feel like they're a part of somebody else's story. Right. You know? So I'm I'm really interested because it took me failing completely miserably in business (laughs) to finally figure out that that's what I was doing, right? That I was, you know, living other people's dreams and living other people's stories and not chasing my own. Right. What was that catalyst for you that that really said, all right, Brock, time to wake up and start playing your game?
1: I think what it was, there, there was probably maybe three or four things that happened where I really realized... I have to think differently. One was one of the organizations I work with wanted to put me on camera. We're at an event, and they wanted to do an interview. And it was, like, going to be a big moment, and this interview kind of went out to a lot of people. And we sat down and started talking, and I realized it wasn't, you know, like as a lawyer, we think about like a deposition. You know, well, what happened? I went to the store. And then what happened next? Well, I opened the door and walked in. It's very like, yes, no, plus, minus. Like, it's a very fixed, you know, paradigm for how you answer. So this guy's interviewing me, and it was just kind of like, yes, no. And I wasn't (laughs) really thinking about it. You know, I was just being honest. But maybe it was nerves. I was a little bit younger. But I walked away from that experience saying, I feel like I have so much to say, and yet I said nothing. <laughs> right. I, we talked for an hour. We were inter, you know, I was interviewed for an hour, and it was all about me, and I said literally nothing. right? And it was just because I'm answering questions without really sharing who I am. And then there was another moment, and this was actually working with my literary agent, where we first started talking about you know, future projects. And she's like, you know, what do you want to write, Brock? And I said, well, what does the market need? And she's like, no, 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 no. Like, what, what do you want to write? Really? And I said, well, I can write anything. Tell me what, the, what the market wants. What do people want? And I realized in that moment, cause she laughed. We had, you know, good friends and all that, but she laughed and she's like, Brock, that's not how it works. I want to hear what's inside of your head, inside of your heart. So I, I walked away from that and I realized I, you know, being a lawyer, being a consultant, you get so fixated on helping people and being the answer that I think one of the things that happens is you get very used to, I can help anybody do anything. I could solve problems. And instead of – it's like, well, Donnie, tell me what your problem is. We'll walk through it. Well, I'll I'll solve it for you. But if I don't have a prompt, it's like, well, then you have no idea what's going on in my head. So I think it was that moment of realizing, no, 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 no. I have it backwards the world needs to know what's in my head before they ever ask. And I think the final tipping point, and I don't know if this is a true quote, you know, because Abraham Lincoln recently quoted on, you know, you know, tweeted that, <laughs> but I, I heard a quote that, you know, Elon Musk, or, or somebody said that Elon Musk asked the world what they wanted and they said a bullet train. And so he gave them a spaceship, you know, whether that's true or not. Right, you know, right, right, right. But the point is, is like, I don't think people always know what they want, and part of what shifts the world, shifts the atmosphere, makes people really be able to feel empowered to know what they want to go after is where you speak to something that they can't even articulate, that you speak to something that's inside of them, like you're talking about the sign, you know, validate me, tell me I'm okay, tell me I'm good enough, and without seeing that sign to be able to say, here's what I think, here's what I think about the world. I think that people matter. I think that relationship matters. I think that intimacy matters. And I'm talking not just in your family life, your homes, your, you know, your wife, your kids and all that. I'm talking about in business. I think, you know, we walk down the halls and we think, ah, it's, you know, Joe or Mary in accounting. Who cares about them? I don't even interact with them. Our kids are at school and like, well, I don't have classes with them. All that kind of stuff is crazy. People matter, and the reason why I think that's important is because when we get into business and everyone's talking about success and they want to be successful and they want to accomplish all this stuff, you don't accomplish anything without relationships, right? You don't accomplish anything without engaging on a very human level. So part of what I realized for myself is that I really value relationships. I don't want to network and get to know people that there's an agenda and I want to get something out of them. I want to get to know people that I actually want to get to know. Right. I want to share stories and hear them share stories because I actually want to listen. But But I think anybody that's been successful, whether you've lost it and got it back or you you once were successful and you haven't been again, but anyone that's been successful, I think if they're honest, they'll step back and realize there are a few key factors to getting there, whatever that is, financial success, happiness, you know, accomplishments in business, education, whatever, is, is one of those things is relationships. And so I realized a big part of me is that relationships matter. They matter like to the core. And there's other things, but I think that kind of gets to the heart of what, you know, my trigger points. And then as I started to discover my voice, like what is my voice? The two big pieces, and I could dig into them both, but the two big pieces for me are relationships matter, and working hard and learning and never stop developing matters. And and the crazy thing for me. And you know this, right? You, you've talked to enough people. You know this. People are scared to death of work. They're, they're scared of it. They, they think it's not required. I mean, I, I'll consult and, you know, how do we even get there? And I'm like, did you even read the book? Did you even, you know, do some research? Right?
0: Well, I, I want to challenge this just a little bit, and here's why. Yeah. Is I don't believe that it's that they don't want to work. Mm. I think they don't know what work really is. So, so what I mean is for me, I mean, I felt like most of my journey that I put in the hours man. I feel like, you know, as a sales guy, I was working a ton. Yeah. I can tell you now running my own business and the level of work I've had to do to make this business successful and profitable and, you know, functional. Right. I can tell you, I can look back on the 20 year sales career and say, I didn't work a damn day. (laughs) <laughs> you know because because yeah. now I'm in it right you know so so I don't think it's a matter of they don't want to work they just don't understand what work really is because they've never stacked themselves up against it to where it was all on them
1: yeah, you know what? It's a good point, but actually I'll go you one deeper. I'll just do and, it. <laughs> what, I, what I really think I'll it is – I'll see your point and raise it. <laughs> I'll see your point. I'll raise you two chips. I honestly think that it, it's not that they haven't engaged with it. I totally agree. I really believe the vast majority of people, it's not even that they don't know how to work. They don't know the strategy of work. They don't know how to accomplish their goals. They don't know how to accomplish anything that they put their mind to. Because if you think about it, we've shifted as a society, like literally over the last, certainly last 10 years, maybe it started sort of 15, 20-ish years ago. We shifted as a society where we can learn anything, right? We can jump on a, on a platform, take a course, 15 bucks. But here's, the, here's some of the data. I think it's 70 to 85% of people that sign up for courses never complete them. I, so take that fact alone. It's along. not higher. <laughs> right, right. I mean, and, and that's, you know, maybe that is padded and it really is 90%. Right. So when you take a fact like that and you say, we have access to information like we've never had in the history of the world, right? And it's at your fingertips, but you'll look at the, the headline. You'll read the first paragraph. And and what I realize, and this is probably why I kind of said, Well, people are afraid of work. They're afraid to read past the first paragraph. Well, and you're
0: saying isn't it more to the point that they don't know what the hell they want to be with the, when they grow up? So they're stabbing in the dark trying to find, you know, something they can sink their teeth into.
1: Yes. And and I think here's where we kind of get into this web of what the problem is. Cause you know, you think about a therapist. So my background, we've, we haven't touched on some of this, but my undergrad was in psychology. I had graduate school education in clinical psychology. So I was going towards being a psychologist. So you're
0: a clinical psychologist, you know, basically in theory, well, and, and a, I know, I know, I know, but, but, and a lawyer who's now this philosophical guy, you know, I mean, on top of it, you were just a hodgepodge mess, my friend.
1: (laughs) The funny thing is, yeah, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going down this road, and then I shift the road, and it didn't make sense, and and anybody, especially at the time, was like, Brock, you have so much invested. You know, you're going to get your master's, you're going to get your PhD, you're going to be a clinical psychologist – what the heck are you thinking? <laughs> right. And I knew it was the right choice for me. There are circumstances in my life where I knew this is what I was supposed to do. This is what I was born for. But I didn't see the future of it, right? And, and I think this ties into this sign. I think your, your uh, idea of people carry around a sign, I'll tell you this much. In psychology, you know, you've heard this, and I don't want to go psychobabble on, on you, but Maslow's hierarchy of needs the number one need, according to Maslow, security. Now, I think, and and I'm not a clinical psychologist. I'm not an expert. I don't spend all my time researching and writing on psychology, you know, aspects of life, but I believe the vast majority of people just simply don't feel validated. They don't feel worth anything. And because they don't feel worth anything, they're constantly just stabbing in the dark. Where can I find validation? Where can I find worth? What can I do that's going to make me feel fulfilled? Now, for me, I'll tell you, Donnie, And obviously, not everybody agrees with my choices. But that this is me; it's my life, and this is who I choose. Here's what they say. (laughs) Right? I'm validated by God. I mean, I I don't care what people are saying, and I and I'll talk to people that don't believe in God, and they're like, "That's you're an idiot." Like, I'm validated by God. Okay. Well, the difference is, I feel it. I live it like I don't need to impress people. I don't need to do things that are going to bring just for the sole purpose of feeling better about myself. But what the reason why I'm saying it is not because I have some special sauce. I mean, I I do believe that God is a special sauce for all of us. But the reason why I'm saying it is because what it does is it, it makes it so I don't feel the need to just shoot darts looking for validation. I think I'm interested in the human mind. So I'm going to invest there. It didn't lead to any money. It didn't lead to any notoriety or fame or success. I don't care. I got what I needed out of it. I'm going to shift over to social media marketing, and I'm going to dive deep here. I'm going to shift over to this or that. And so you can look at me and say, man, Brock's kind of all over the place. And in some ways, it's true. But in another way, the reason why I feel totally comfortable with that is because I'm not searching for validation. I'm trying to be a sponge and learn everything I can. And this goes back to your point about work. I I don't know that I, you know, I'm, I'm in my mind, I'm kind of like, do I fully agree? Do I partially agree? I still think people are afraid of work. I do. Well, see, right? here, here's where I, I come
0: to it. And, I, you know, I don't look at anything about what other people do. I'm taking it through my own process. Yeah. And, that, with that said, that means I'm taking the assumption that a lot of people are like me. Okay? Sure. So, so. But but I know for me, when I launched my company, I had what they call an e-myth, an entrepreneurial spasm, right? Right, right. <laughs> and so I started my company, and I really thought that my brand, who I was, was going to be that catalyst that was going to launch me into, you know, the stratosphere of success. Right. And, yeah, I'll, if anybody's heard my story, you know that didn't happen. And, you know, I was failing very, very, very miserably. Yeah. And it's because… I was realizing along the way a couple of things. One, I was a people pleaser. Hmm. You know, I was opinionated. You know, but if somebody else came with a different opinion that was stronger, I was like, "That's right, right." You know, versus yeah. standing my own ground. Right. So I had to get past that, which means I had to turn off the noise. And right. then, you know, along that, I realized that I, even though I had a company going, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I had no right. View. Right, So it took me to bottom out to finally discover myself, and then that's when work began. So for me, I never bet on myself Hmm. big enough to understand what I wanted to be and who I wanted to become, if that makes sense.
1: It does, but let's say that you're – so if life is sort of this movie and there are a bunch of characters, you're one character – You're the guy that had to work hard to realize he didn't know what he wanted to be when he grew up. And he only realized that after he hit rock bottom. But what happened, I'll tell you right now, and you could tell me what happened is when you hit rock bottom, you realized, what the heck am I doing? Where am I? Why am I here? And how the heck do I get out of here? And what, and I think there's something magical that happened in that moment. And I think it happens for everybody that hits rock bottom to some extent, they look up. And they suddenly see this stairway, and it's sort of illuminated. Maybe not all the stairs, maybe not every piece, but they're like, if I take this step, I think I might be able to – or they just start crawling, right? You're clawing out. And the reason why I'm saying this, Donnie, is because what I realized – And another piece of how I feel my voice is really developing and who I am and what I do and why I matter is because I realize most people don't know the specifics of how to succeed in life. Agree with that, we right? Agree with that. They they have no mechanism. We're we're just taught these broad strokes. You know, we listen. And, and and no no disrespect to people, you know, like well, I don't I don't even want to name names, but some of the big names that are out there that I'll are just go ahead, saying, Brock, just call them out. That's fine. Just, let just, me just, list the people <laughs> I can stand. No, I'm not going to do that. I think what it does is it gives you this feeling. You go to these events and you get this emotion and you're you're pumped up. I can do this. I can do this. And you walk out and you say. I have no idea how I'm going to do this, but I feel the feelings. I feel the energy, right? And you're in there and you're walking on coal and you're, you know, twirling fire, or jumping through hoops or whatever your trust falls, like all that kind of stuff. And I'm not mocking it. I mean, I know that there's an, an element that we need motivation, but I think the the downfall is that we have no practical steps. We have big steps, but you know, what I've learned is you know, hey hey uh, Brock, I need you to do a copyright application. Real practical. Well, you jump on the website, you fill out your name, you f- complete the form, you submit it, submit your fee, you're done. Four steps. But what you realize is somebody gets into that website and they're like, "Is this a collective work? Is this a collaborative? Is this a derivative?" Like there's all these questions that people have no idea, and I really think that's indicative of how we live our lives. We know the big steps, like, hey, you want to become a doctor. You want to become a lawyer. Well, you do good in school. You go to college. You go to law school or medical school. You do these five things, and then poof, you're done, right? Success never happens in five big steps. It happens in 50,000 tiny little decisions and steps, right? And that's what I look at, and that's kind of where I'm at in the space I feel like I'm at right now is that I want to help people – in between the steps, I want to say, okay, you know, you need to get, you want to write a book. Great. How are you going to write a book? Well, I got this brilliant idea. Okay, what are you going to put on paper? Well, I want this character. Okay, let's reverse engineer. Let's talk about a story arc, right? We break it down. And, you know, same thing in a film. Same thing. You know, there's all these different contexts. And in business, well, we want to get to where we have 100,000 fans. Okay, how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to post a lot right? There's a lot of people that post a lot and they have zero fans, right? Right. And there's a strategy to it. So where I'm at and what I think my voice is, but one of the big things I think I've learned in life is that, and I'm still learning obviously, is that most people have no clue how to take the little steps, the daily steps. And what happens, so I I grew up hiking because I was out in the desert. I hiked a lot. I was out, out in the wild a lot, right? Never in a forest because I grew up in the desert, so I can always kind of see the the hills or the mountains that would adjust my reality like, okay, home's that way. But I've seen movies. I've been in the forest, and you're like, man, if you don't know where you are, you're lost, right? If you're two degrees off, you are lost, and that's business and that's success, and people think, well, I'm kind of headed sort of north. If you're headed sort of north, you're going to wind up east. Right. Or West or whatever. So to me, the one of the keys and I know this is a little bit of a jumble of your character, my background, whatever. But what I'm what I'm really getting at is I think I think people want to be validated and I think people don't know how to get to where they're going. And I think that they believe if they got there, they'd suddenly feel good about themselves
0: that you're 100 percent there. I have a weird theory that goes along with this, that people want to plateau. Hmm. They want to get to a spot to where that's it. That's, yeah, they're done working. They're done having to put it out there. And I know because I did it a lot of my journey, you know, yeah. you get to that sales goal and you're like, yes, I'm yeah. finally done. And then you <laughs> no, stop selling right. and holy crap. Yeah. Everything's going away. <laughs> Got to do it yeah. again. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's, that's very interesting. And I love the tactical nature behind this of helping them find that micro steps. But, you know, if, someone is not working with you or another coach or or something, you know, one-on-one, it's very difficult for them to find those tactical small steps. Yeah. Because, because I'll speak again for me is, you know, the vision formed at the bottom of my company completely failing, you know, the vision started forming, but I didn't see a stairway. I saw just the next step. Hmm. Right. Makes and, sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw the next step. So I took that step. And right. What I find is I, I keep taking steps forward and those steps are continually to evolve into a company. Right. Um, And I'm continuing to evolve as part of that process because I'm keep taking the steps forward and learning to put processes in place to keep the structure intact, everything along those lines. I love the thought. I wish I had the ability to see the whole staircase because I think that would be really, really cool. Yeah. But, But for me, and I think for a lot of people who are trying to discover themselves and move forward, part of it is just stepping to what they believe is the next step and actually taking that step. Right. And and moving towards that. Does that make sense?
1: It does. And I I think it highlights something that's pretty important. I think anyone that's listening, anyone that's watching, they can take away something really, really critical from what you just said. And what I want to expand on with it is that you have to look for that step because a lot of people in your position, they hit rock bottom, they just start clawing. Right? They, right? they feel like they're in a hole and they just start clawing. And a lot of times it's panic and we see it. Like, I think I'm a very visual learner. A lot of times you think about movies, right? And somebody falls in a ditch. What's natural for them to do? Scramble. Start clawing, yeah. right? Jumping, screaming, panicking. But if they turn around and they looked at their circumstances and they just started thinking, I can cave in some dirt and create a step and I could pack that down and step on it and then maybe catch a root that's just 10 feet high. It's out of my reach now, but if I just created a step, well, how do I create a step? I start kicking some dirt out of the wall on the other side so that I can use that dirt to build a step. I think the problem is that we don't ask enough questions. We instantly shift into panic, because you made a good point. Well, you didn't have somebody standing by your side. You didn't have like to go back to, you know, Eminem and Makai. You, you didn't have a Makai Pfeiffer. You didn't have a Mr. Miyagi. You right. didn't have somebody that says, Donnie, you can do it. Just go here. Just step here. Just yeah. grab this, right? You had to do it yourself. And honestly, I do think most people are in that circumstance. I think the vast majority of business owners, entrepreneurs, even to some extent athletes, which I think is ironic because they have coaches and teams and all that. But I think there's a lot of people in environments where they're not taught to think for themselves. They get in a mode, they panic, they scramble, and maybe they're lucky enough like you to see one step. And then half of the people will say, I'm getting on that step. The other half of the people are paralyzed by the fear that that step is the wrong step. Yeah. So they don't take it. So to me, I think if there's a takeaway here, one takeaway, and I think there's a lot of takeaways, but if there's one takeaway, it is wherever you are in life, wherever you're struggling, wherever you think, I got to get out of this, I got to get past this, if you stop and take a look around you, 360 view, where am I at, and start asking questions. I believe, and I believe this based on experience over decades, that if you just start asking questions, how can I get myself out of here? If I'm in a – I mean it's not like any of us fall in a 20-foot pit, but you know, the, I think the visualization works. Can I kick some dirt out to create a step? If you're in business and you have so much debt, all you're doing is panicking. And you're making worse decisions to try and deal with a debt that you can never get out. It just gets worse and worse and worse, right? We're digging a deeper hole. If you can stop and say, what can I do logically to take one step? Not to get out of debt, not to write off $2.5 million of bad decisions. How can I get rid of a $1,000? Because I think people think in this way if i'm 2.5 million in the hole on my business or i got you know four lawsuits coming at me i'm screwed i can't do anything so i'm not even going to try
0: Hey, guys, it's Donnie here, and I just want to let you know that we've recently launched a content development company, and this company helps people get social content. You know you need to put out a lot of content nowadays to get engagement out there in all your social platforms, but we've come up with a really cool way to help you get videos, blog posts, memes, social posters, and infographics for You know, whatever social site you need. So check us out at successchamps.us and learn more about how you can get social content for your social media. Support for this podcast comes from Point Blank Safety Services and Blue Family Fund. Point Blank Safety
1: Services does safety differently. We know everyone is on a journey, and we want to make sure you get where you're going safely. Professional, trained, ready. There's really no comparison. Here's why hiring Point Blank Safety for your next project will make all the
0: difference and save you huge amounts of stress and hassle. Point Blank Safety Services provides certified, uniformed police officers for a full suite of armed guard services. Don't leave the safety of your project to chance. If you're ready to make sure safety truly comes first for your next project, then visit us at pointblanksafety.com.
1: If you will try one baby step, one little thing, because I find that in, you know, I wrote a book. One of the books I wrote is about getting things done, finishing things. And I realize that most people won't break a major task into small, minor tasks because it's a lot easier. You know, when I was young, we got spanked. So, of course, I got spanked. But if he was really pissed, he'd say, Brock, go out. (laughs) <laughs> there's just open desert next to our house and he would designate an area and say, pull weeds. It wasn't even our property. It was a <laughs> desert. He's like, pull weeds. If I looked at this, you know, one acre area of land of filled with tumbleweeds, I'm like, I can't do it. I don't want to do it. Well, I'm going to get spanked if I don't do it right as a kid. But as a business person, we just see the acre of tumbleweeds and say, can't be done. If I take one tumbleweed and then another, and then another, and another. And then I step back and I look at what I've accomplished. I got five tumbleweeds out in less than five minutes. Hmm, maybe I could get 10 in five minutes. All of a sudden, you're a couple, you know, 30 minutes into it, an hour into it, and you realize I can knock this thing out. How many of us organically, naturally do that? We don't, right? We, right. we have to be trained to think this way. And this is where I feel like I can infuse wisdom into the person that's never met me. If I just encourage you to ask questions, and
0: Here, here's what I love about this, because you know, at the bottom of my company, it was questions, and and, and I, I was, it was in my head hearing you that you were talking, going, that's exactly what I did. I mean, that, that's okay. literally what I did. Is I hadn't asked, you know, the six months my company had been in business, I hadn't asked the questions. I was just taking actions right. You know, all over the place. Right. You know, like a broken sprinkler head. And, you know, moving <laughs> forward. Yeah. All the things, that's <laughs> what it looked like. Right. But as I hit that spot to where I was on the verge of losing everything, I started asking questions. How right. do I get the next deal? What am I selling? You know, what's the business model? What's the service I'm delivering? And it's in asking those questions that light bulbs started to come popping off. Right. And it's like, okay, here's step one. Sure. You know, and just to give an idea, I mean, step one for me was I sent an email off to my list that said, Hey, sign up for free 30 minute conversation with me. Right. And I was floored by how many people took me up on it. And I'm like, right. That was a step, right? So I love it. You're absolutely right. The questions, you know,
1: are absolutely a path to figure out what's next. They are, and I think, you know, I'm a very practical person. I mean, the more anyone gets to know me – I think a lot of times they just look at like, wow, Brock is a very much a nuts and bolts guy. You know, let's, hey, we want to get from A to B. There's 20 steps in between. We're going to knock them out one at a time. I mean, that's, that's my motto. That's my theme. That's how I, you know, I wrote. So I've, I started writing around 1992 loved it. Just, I just kind of fell in love with the process of you know, writing itself, expressing myself, putting ideas on paper. So I would write just throughout the years. And I went through a period of time where I was writing only short stories or only songs or only poems, only fiction novels, screenplays. I went through a period of time where I was studying you know, screenplay writing. I only wrote screenplays. But I went through this period of time where I remember reading a book, and I think it might have been Stephen King's book. I'm not sure. He wrote a book about the process of writing. may have been that one or another one, but anyways, I got this idea that when you set a minimum amount of time every day, it shifts something in your brain about creating a habit to get something done. Right. So I decided in this one year period, I'm going to give at least 10 minutes a day, which I'd never done before. I would write when I felt like it or when I had time. Now, granted, a lot of that was after work, after the kids went to bed. So I'd be writing at two in the morning, exhausted, but I loved it. And I would feel energized just by the process. Right. Because I I loved it. So I decided this year I'm going to write 10 minutes a day. No joke. I wrote four complete books. And I'm not talking about eBooks that are 20 pages long. I'm talking about like 50 to 70,000 word books. I wrote so many articles. I don't even know, but it probably was millions of words that I wrote in that year. And it's just because I devoted no less than 10 minutes a day, systematically every day. And what it did is it shifted my mind. And And the reason why I say this is because I think people what'll happen is they start saying okay I got to ask questions I have to ask like what do I really want? And Simon Sinek I, I I love that guy and his messaging of start with why. I think we should always start with why do you want this thing? So I want, you know, I want to reach this level of success or I want my company to be this big or I want to drive this kind of car, I want to have this kind of house. Why? Why do you want that? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, one of the things we find is that when we ask ourselves why, we'll realize because I just want to be validated. I want people to think I'm, I'm good. I've achieved. I've accomplished. And if that's your motivating force, I can tell you right now, you're never going to feel fulfilled. And that's not a curse. That's a human reality Right. because you're, you're basically pouring water into a bucket, a cup you know, that has no bottom. Right.
0: And that, that's why everybody gets the the big houses, the big cars, the big whatever, and they get there and they're like, that's it, you know, right. I've achieved, and they feel empty. It, that that's the exact exact thing that happens.
1: It is, and I think if you if you could back up in your journey towards whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, whatever, and and you know, when we talk about success, I think people are always thinking like the default thought is Lamborghini, Ferrari, you know, ten thousand square foot mansion, whatever. I'm talking about just even happiness. Like if your idea of success is just being happy, like I love to fish, I don't get to fish a whole lot because there's, you know, I don't, I don't create enough time and bandwidth for me to do that. But if that is my idea of success, I need to build around that. And the reason why I bring this up is because I think starting to ask the questions is critical. But I also think it's sort of base level, lowest common denominator. Step back and start asking yourself questions. What do I want and why do I want it? But I think what has to happen next is we actually write it down and say – these are the things I want, and this is how I think I need to get there because I think something else. I, I really believe that there's this process, and it's almost like magic, and it's weird because you don't think magic doesn't happen, and I'm not talking about real magic. I, I just There's something magical in the brain that happens. You write it down, and your brain tells you this is now real. Are you going to commit, or are you going to not commit? Are you going to do what it takes to work towards this or not? As soon as you put it on paper – There's something that happens that obligates you to take responsibility, which is one of the reasons why I think a lot of people don't want to write anything down. Or if they do, they want to, well, that's for, you know, we'll hire somebody to write a business plan or a mission statement because you don't ever have to own that. A 40-page business plan, an amorphous, generic, we want to be the best sales company on the planet. You don't own that,
0: right? All right. I'm going to challenge this a little bit because this is a big belief of mine. I believe goal setting doesn't work. Okay. At all. And I think goals actually demotivate people. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, because what happens is, is most people will set a goal okay. and they set a goal that, that to your point, they already believe they don't get, they can't accomplish, they can't achieve. Right. Good point. Uh, and so they're automatically demotivated. What Good I do point. believe is people should have a vision, right? They should have a trajectory of where they want to go. And then they should create milestones along the way in incremental growth. And hear me out. And I love this. So take it into a sales role. Let's okay. say you average ten thousand dollars a month in sales. Okay. Right. What a lot of rookie salespeople would do with me is they they would come to me the next year, you know, that year they did hundred and twenty thousand dollars in sales. They'd come to me the next year and they would say, Donnie, I'm gonna do a million dollars next year. Right. Okay, based on what they're like, right. I'm gonna work harder. I'm like, yeah, right. that's not gonna work, right? right? And in their mind, that million dollars is like this astronomical feat, right? Right. So I would change that to okay. Instead of trying to aim for a million dollars, you've been doing ten thousand dollars a month. Let's see if you can get to eleven. Right. Let's get to 11, and then we'll see if we can do 11 two months in a row. And when we do that, let's see if we can get to 12. Right. And then we get to 13. And right. And 14. And what I found is by teaching people milestones, right, it forces them to, your point, take the steps to yes. keep moving forward. Yes. And then they start evolving and becoming a whole new person in what people have to do. Right. Um, so, so I really struggle with this whole goal setting mantra that's been around since I've read my first help self help book at 22 <laughs> years old. Right? They're like goals, right. goals, goals, goals. I mean, right? It's not goals. It's it's having a vision and then you know doing what you like to do, breaking down the small steps. But it's really it's about let's just get to the next level.
1: You and I are probably saying the same thing with different words because this is this is my point. I was trying to make earlier that really lines up with what you just said is that people don't accomplish their goals because it's it's A to B. Everything in between is what matters. Right. They, they look at B. And like you said, they're never going to accomplish it. I'm at 10,000 a month and I want to get to a million annually. That's a big jump right? So that goal fails. So it demoralizes them. It demotivates them like their own self fulfilling prophecy, right? It is. And, and the starting point is because first of all, that goal wasn't realistic and it wasn't realistic, not because they're not capable because it wasn't based on reality. So goals have to first and foremost be based in reality. So I can say, Hey, you know, I want to have a $50 million a year law practice, you know, well, That may not be realistic unless I hire a lot of people, right? And take on a lot of money and a lot of new clients. It would change everything that I do. So if I say, sure, I want, I want to make 50 million this year, that's unrealistic, but it could become realistic if I say, now here's how it becomes realistic by step one. I need to go from a hundred thousand a month to a million a month. Well, how am I going to do that? Because that's a big jump, right? It's a smaller jump than 100 to 50 million, but it's a much smaller jump. How do I get from 100 grand to a million? Well, can I increase sales? Can I increase marketing? Can I, you know, what can I do? I mean, ultimately, that's what we're talking about. And I think that's where you're saying the benchmarks. What I'm, I think my language, I'm saying the strategy that it takes, it's like on a ruler to get from one inch to 12 inches. There's a lot of lines in between. Every single one of those lines between the zero and the 12-inch mark on a ruler represents a decision, a piece of action, a relationship, a a switch, a pivot, a sale, something that will get you towards there. But people fail because they see vision without the steps to lead to it. I agree. And the right. only thing that I would tweak
0: on that for, from my perspective, you know, if I was taking that in owning that thought process, which I really enjoy yeah. is instead of going, can I get to a $50 million company and I'm doing 128,000 a year or whatever, yeah. I'm going to go, okay, can I get to 125? Can I get to 130? Can I get to 140? You know, and right. the difference being is as, Most individuals are not going to wrap their head around this whole 10x theory,
1: right? Yeah. You know, that's right. This
0: this whole idea of you've got to think 10x bigger than you actually are, right? Right. Doesn't work, right? Because most people can't think that way, right? But they can think, what, you know, can I get to this next level, right? That's right. So maybe it's a combination of both of all the micro steps, which I love. But I think a lot of people struggle with trying to figure out all the micro steps unless they're a tinker like you are. Yeah.
1: Right? You know? you, you're trying to figure it out, right? Yep, and most yep. people don't. But I think the other thing, too, is what you find, and you've, you've seen this, I know you've seen this, and I, of course, see it every day, is that people don't believe in themselves. Correct. They don't think 100%. They're capable, right? And, and the vast majority of people I see and I meet, there may be a lot of action. And and ironically, it's not even action, it's a lot of fluff, there's a lot of noise, but there's very little forward motion, or really motion in any direction. But I think what's underlying that is if I look busy, you're not going to challenge me on why I didn't achieve anything, because I don't know how. I don't know how to achieve my goals. I don't know how to get things done. I don't know how to become successful. So if I just look busy and I flail my arms around and I talk to a lot of people or something, or, you know, something like that, suddenly this magic happens and I'm going to get forward. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to achieve levels. I'm going to reach benchmarks. I'm going to see my vision and be able to attain it. You know, and I know that's not true at all. But I think the psychology underlying that is that the person that thinks that way, they don't believe they're capable. They don't believe they can. And so, you know, I, I do think there's a dark vein of pop psychology out there right now and self-help that is very much like, it's like, you're good enough, you're smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like you. And I'm not saying like, I think there's, there's actual real value in that because most people, you know, laugh, it's a joke, it's a Saturday Night Live skit or whatever. But what happens is when you're repeating positive affirmations to yourself daily, you will start to feel different. And, and the only people that say that's a load of crap are people that have never done it consistently with the belief that it actually can change things. Yeah,
0: and, you know, down that line of thought is what always frustrated me about those gurus that that always said, you know, the mantras you say to yourself over and over and over again. Yeah. They never told you the actions to take. <laughs> they <laughs> right. always say, you know, say you love yourself. Say you love your job. Say you're right this, but they right. never take it, tell you to, okay, get to work, you know, do this, right. take this step, and move that step. So I think people looked at it from two ways. They, they looked at it from the perspective of, I feel good hearing somebody else tell me that's how I found success. This is my shortcut. Let me take it. And I'll just tell myself I'm awesome on a regular basis. Right, right. And then you got the other side of the aisle, the guys that were more like me. I'm like, okay, I get that. That's cute. Yeah. But that doesn't put food on my table.
1: Right. It (laughs) it doesn't pay the bills, doesn't put food on your table. And ultimately it's not real because until you feel it, you don't feel it. Absolutely. Right. And so, so for me, and this is, you know, this is something that's always been a little tricky is like, how does, how does my faith work in a world that, you know, largely doesn't care about faith, doesn't care about God or disregards it or think it's hokey or whatever. See for me, I feel like I know what my foundation is and these aren't struggles. I have other struggles for sure. And there are a lot of things that I, you know, obstacles that I have to work hard on, but that feeling of worth and validation is not one of them because I know where I'm rooted and I know, I know what guides me and I know why I'm valuable. And, and I think that a lot of people that they just don't feel that value and it infuses into every decision they make so that if they say i have vision for this thing i want to accomplish this and even if it's a reasonable goal i'm at 100 grand i want to go to 125 grand you and i would say hey that's reasonable that's doable not by next week but maybe a year or maybe 6 months but you know it's got to be reasonable people will look at that goal and say i don't even know how i made 100 right? They undermine themselves in the process of saying, I want to make more. They're telling themselves, I don't even know how I did what I've already done. I didn't have the capacity. I didn't have what it takes inside of you, the motivation, the understanding. I think a lot of people think they got lucky or, you know, the door swung in their way. And what happens is that kind of belief totally undermines your ability to keep pushing forward, even on, Tiny benchmarks that are otherwise achievable. It's just like my example of writing 10 minutes a day. How am I going to write 50,000 words in 30 days? Impossible. I wrote a 70,000-word book in 30 days when I just – I just went off. I was riding. I mean, I just fell in love with the process and I was riding. Yeah,
0: my that. brain just melted with you saying that, just so <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> it's. I mean, that was a crazy time. I had a, actually, I think is when I, I ruptured one of my Achilles. So I was on the couch and I'd be awake at like two in the morning. So I was just like. <sighs> so guys, if totally. you want to write 70,000 words in 30 days, break your Achilles. <laughs> yes. Basketball, freaking warrior, that's your way to go. No, it's, I, I really think that it's important for anyone that wants to improve their condition, wants to improve their situation in whatever capacity. You know, we've talked about identifying whether it's goals or visions, you know, benchmarks or measurable steps, action steps, baby steps, whatever we call it. You know, I think being realistic is another huge key. Is like when you set goals for yourself, when you set vision for yourself, when you see what you want to be doing or where you want to be, it's got to be realistic. But here's the problem with being realistic is that if we don't feel good about ourselves, if we don't think we're capable, if we don't think we're smart enough or educated enough or experienced enough, our, quote, realistic goal is really unrealistic because it's negative, right? We, we always think unrealistic goals are like 100 grand to a million. Unrealistic goals are also 100 grand to 115. That's too small. Jumping from one hundred grand to one hundred and fifteen grand is too small it 's unrealistic also, of course, you can do it, but if you think that you 're going to struggle to add fifteen grand over a measurable reasonable amount of time there 's probably something inside of your head that 's telling you you 're not capable mm. and and so I think part of what has to happen is you have to look inside of yourself and say, How do I feel about myself?' Like, forget my goals, forget where I want to be. How do I feel about myself? And if you're looking at, man, I don't don't trust myself, I don't trust my judgment, I don't think I'm good enough, I don't think I'm smart enough, I don't think I'm experienced enough, educated enough, I think that's the problem that's going to keep all of these other practical steps from working. You have to know that you can. You have to believe that you're good enough. You have to know that you're validated and worth it without anyone telling you that, without any accomplishment telling you that. God, we could keep talking for hours, Brock. You know, <laughs> and the only thing I want to say to that
0: is I heard that my entire life growing up is, is you know, hmm. and I never once did not think I wasn't good enough, right? I, or I never believed that I wasn't good enough, right? Right. But I can tell you that as I went through my journey, I never had those thoughts run through my head that I wasn't fast enough, strong enough, good looking enough, whatever. Right? Yeah. Until... I started my own company and hit rock bottom. Did I realize that I was having those type of thoughts, <laughs> right? right? Because it took me getting punched in the face by life to yeah. start figuring out that I wasn't thinking for myself. Right. And right. I think it's more than just realizing that you have to think your own thoughts. I think you have to step into it.
1: I think you're right. And I, but I do think there's a somewhat objective measure that's happening around you. Like if you go back before you hit rock bottom – now, I could be totally wrong. You and I don't know each other well enough, and I don't know your background well enough to know. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speculate that if you go back to your life pre-rock bottom, you're going to see there were some people in your life that you knew or that any reasonable person would say, they're probably not the best people for you to be hanging with. True. You were probably in environments that you knew were not good. And I'm not talking about, you know, strip clubs or whatever. I mean, even if it was just like, you know, um, I stopped by the hotel bar and, you know, get my whiskey before, you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not focusing on that. My my point is, is that I think you could have taken an objective measure of your life before you hit rock bottom, even if you didn't feel anything negative and say any reasonable person would say, I probably am surrounded by morons. I'm drinking too much, smoking too much. I'm, you know, just wasting time. I mean, I'll tell you how many people I work with. This is insane to me. How many people I work with that are spending hours and hours and hours just on YouTube, social media, blowing all of their availability of bandwidth to actually do something with their life? They're watching TV. You know what I'm saying? And I think those signs – my guess is, Donnie, is that those signs were probably there because I I just see them. And everyone that's struggling with this, it's like the uniform signs are there. You're surrounding yourself with the wrong people. They don't believe in you. They're discouraging you, right? Yeah, but I agree that they were there,
0: and – but if you don't know that that's – a bad thing that that's a misguidance, if that's not
1: something, an environment you should be in, you're not looking for that out. So let me, let let me, I don't want to talk over you, but let me hit that point. So if I told you, Donnie, whoever, you know, it's not just about you, like whoever, you don't know whether your life is good or bad. Cause I think if you know, it's bad, then there's the answer. If you know, it's good, (laughs) there's the answer. But if you think it's good, and you're not sure, let me ask you this question, or let me make a statement and just (laughs) accept it as truth for the purpose of this discussion. You are the average of the five closest people around you. If that is a true statement, take a look around you. Here's the difference.
0: And I, I agree with that. Jim Rohn's philosophy is a beautiful philosophy that will live on for years,
1: right? It's, it, Which and, I disagree with, but I'm saying
0: it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the trick with that statement, yeah, is yes, you become the people you hang around with. Okay, yeah. true statement. Until you discover what you're made of,
1: yes, or because, made for, maybe.
0: Yeah, because because. I'm going bigger in my life than I ever gone and doing things bigger than I ever thought. I had dreams of doing, but didn't know I was going to accomplish. Right. Speaking in foreign countries and being on bigger stages and doing those type of things. Yeah. But I still have the same friends. I still have the same people that I'm close to. The relationships are a little different. They're a little bit. Right. I'm not any longer trying to take them on the journey with me. Yeah, which was a thing that held me back that I learned. But I've evolved and changed and then not allowing that to influence my life.
1: That is critical. And that's why I kind of interjected. I don't agree with the philosophy, because I think when you as you become a leader, you're the average of your five closest people is not leader talk. That's average layperson's talk. But when you're a leader, see, it's, I, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot we can argue about on this point, but I think what happened is you evolved. And even if you kept those relationships, you grew. But what you, ha- what you saw happen is they also evolved. Now, they may not have kept pace with where you were going, but they evolved in terms of maturity, yes, right? Yes so, yes, yes. so your average is just a different facet of maturity. So maybe you could say, hey, I'm going to look at these friends I've had for the last 30 years, same friends. We've all grown. The difference would be if you're the only one that's grown and none of them have grown and you're still hanging out with them. They're still doing the same you know, shenanigans yes. that they did 20 yes. years ago. That's a different issue. But what you just described is we had a group of friends that evolved whether we're, you know, you're not taking them on your journey, which I totally understand. And, I, and I've seen that too is like part of what I think is leadership development is you realizing that you're always going to have people around you, but not all of them are on the same journey as you. And there's a leader I won't name, but there's a, I was told by the son of this leader that this leader had the philosophy that everyone here is going to help me get where I'm going. <laughs> but then I've had a, another son of a great leader that said, that leader's philosophy was, I'm going to help bring everybody with me to where I'm going. I mean, that's. I think that's a powerful perspective, but I also think it relates to who you're spending your time with and how you're engaging with them. But I think you tapped into a leadership conversation mm-hmm. because in the process of you evolving and growing, you became a leader. Somewhere along the line, your, your switch flipped. You pivoted, and you maybe didn't even pinpoint it. But you suddenly – became, or, or maybe it's more – it's not so much that you became a leader. It's that the leadership was unlocked in you, and mm. you began to evolve in a way where you could be on your journey, and you know that you're surrounding yourself with people that, that are evolving too because my guess would be if, if some of them weren't evolving – You'd either say something to them, distance yourself from them, engage with them to help them evolve, something would happen, right? And and that's that piece right there, Donnie, is you know, going back to the, you know, you're you may not always realize that you're in a spot where you think you're healthy, you think you're growing, you think you're on the road to success. And my point is, I think there are objective measures that if you'll step back and be honest, you'll see, man, probably not. But you hit rock bottom and started evolving and growing and clawing your way out and taking action. Most people are scared to death because they don't feel good about themselves. They don't believe they're capable and they don't know how. So how do you, how do you overcome those things? Like the how part in my mind, there's no recipe. I mean, you look at like Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, or Mark Cuban. Like, how did they get where they are? Well, we can read their biography, but I think you and I, and I think a lot of people would understand, that's not really how they got there. You know, Tony Robbins will tell, like, I hear a story all the time about he was in this restaurant, he had like his last two bucks or whatever, and he saw some kid taking out his mom and he gave it, like, I don't remember the whole story, but kind of he gave his last $2 to this other kid and empowered him, and that moment is a turning point, right? It's a shifting point. And you're like, where does that, well, right for, for Tony, that's in his books, that's in his materials because he realizes the power of that moment. Yeah. But for the vast majority of people, you know, how did Steve Jobs get where he is? How did Jeff Bezos, how did, you know, all of these people that you would say, oh, they're ultra successful. You know, I would love to have something like that or be something like that. It, it comes down to, you're going to have to look at where you are, and be real and be honest and really have some introspection to say, okay, this is what I want, this is why, and these are the steps I think I need to get there.
0: Dude, this is awesome. And, man, we really could speak forever, but we are stacked up against it, man. <laughs> man, I've Great enjoyed the, you know, a lot of this. I'm, I'm going to bring you into one of my Facebook groups so you and I can really dive in and continue Great. this conversation. I think the the champions that hang out in there will really geek out on you. Really quick, how do people find you? What's your website and stuff so they can share all your books and everything?
1: com B-R-O-C-K-S-H-I-N-E-N. That's and the then
0: line. I want to leave on this final word. If you could leave the champions that listen to this show with a statement, a quote, a phrase, something they can take with them on their journey, especially if they're stacked up against it, what would be that quote, or phrase you would say? Remember this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a tough one. There's so many, but I, I saw one this morning. I actually posted it this morning and I'm going to be paraphrasing, but basically a person that holds a cat by the tail is going to learn from experience in a unique way that no one else is going to learn from. And I, and I saw that quote and I'm like, we learn from the fire. We mm. learn and we grow and we evolve from the fire. So that's my quote for you.
0: Awesome. Brock, brother, I really, really appreciate this. Looking forward to continuing this conversation, man. Thanks so much for doing Yeah, that. same, same. Right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Donnie Success Champions podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our current guest today or if you'd like to hear stories from our other guests on the show, come hang out with us on our website at successchampspodcast.com. I really appreciate you tuning in. If you need to reach out to me for any reason, you can catch me at donnie at donniebovine.com. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to, to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking and it continues to grow.